<laughs> okay, one more time. All right. I'm April White. And I'm Christopher Tompkins. And you're on the line with the Hype Buster. Welcome. Ready for some real talk on strategic communications? You're in the right place. Oh, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Hype Busters. April, Whitey, how the hell are you doing? <laughs> how did you know that? I had somebody else who, Richard Rubenstein always called me April Whitey. Whitey, really? Yeah, it was his favorite nickname for me, White, and then he was just Whitey. Oh, Whitey, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seemingly racist and inappropriate, which sounds right on brand. <laughs> We're hype busters. So, uh, so, so, what's been what's been cooking on your side of the United States? Well, you know, I opened this little boutique shop on Route 66 in my hometown of Williams, Arizona. Yes. What's it called again? So I can give it a plug on air. Cowgirls and fairies. All right, and is does it have a URL? Look at me plugging you. Uh, does it have a URL for online sales? Uh, it does, except my online store is not fully up to speed, but it's uh, cowgirlsandfairies.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so, so, so how's it all rolling out so far? Good. I mean, it's been interesting in that I, we had a huge snowstorm over the weekend and it's still snowing now. Oh my so God. It was, it was not ideal for an opening weekend, but even despite that, I had people come in that were so excited about the store opening and they had been waiting for it for weeks. And they're wondering what was in there and they had to come see. It was really cute. And I haven't let the windows be open at all until I opened. And they were like, oh, oh that's fun. The grand reveal. What's inside? No, are these, lo- these, are, these are locals probably that saw your press coverage, right? Yeah. And then I had an interview with an NPR affiliate on, on Sunday. Oh, nice. About the store. <laughs> so it's just been, it's, yeah, we, I, we got you off to a slow start with, foot traffic because of the snow but a fast you know start with the press i guess so i think next weekend will probably be a little bit crazy because it's spring break i'm hope i'm hoping it'll be a little bit crazy are but, you gonna yeah do, are you going to do uh white t-shirt contests no okay i'll alert it would, would not it would not be on brand no and actually it'd be too cold right freezing it'd be really cold it'd see way too much see way too much yeah hypothermia <laughs> far too much hypothermia to make it how but okay but here's the thing did the locals buy things or were they just talky they were talky and picked out what they want to come back to buy okay see i would have been like okay okay um it was brenda right okay brenda there's your picture i'll hold that for one week and if you don't come back you're dead to me <laughs> you might have done that but i wouldn't yeah, hence, hence, hence me not being a retail giant. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was so cute. And then I went to the coffee store next door on Sunday when I was already open and I was asking them what their normal hours of, you know, high foot traffic are. And they're like, wait, what's in that store? I've been wondering for weeks. She's That's like, awesome. I thought it, she's like, is it a Western boutique? And I was like, it is. She's like, yes. <laughs> she's like, we need something like that in town. You can't get anything cute. <laughs> that's awesome though yeah, it's really cute um all right enough about me tell me what's going on with you so what's going on over here um well 
I'm busy uh, with stuff. I think I told you I'm doing two books and I've been working on, I've been working on them quite diligently. Good. So my, um, my second book is my Renaissance year, um, which is the working title of it so far. And it's kind of like self-helpy self kind of um, discovery ish. Um, It's kind of like a recipe on how that you can kind of look at the areas that you haven't explored in your life and express them through creativity and access and like access them. Mm. Uh, make it more accessible and it's really interesting and the reason why is because I started getting interested in painting and um I started doing it and then I, everything else I'm seeing a lot of things differently so I'm looking at things nice I'm viewing like when I'm walking all of in the morning we're doing mm-hmm. our walk I'm seeing colors differently I'm seeing mm-hmm. textures differently so then I started drawing and then I started writing and then I started and then it kind of like went into the me relearning the guitar and then me like getting um, into practicing my piano again. And then it's just like, wow, all of this stuff is interconnected in a very interesting way. And then I was going to the stores to get the supplies and the smell of the stores and like looking at the different materials that I haven't looked at. It's like everything's an adventure. And I was like, wow, this really has some legs. I wonder if I could make this into something that could be helpful. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that, but I've been painting up a storm um i literally want to see uh, your paintings yeah they're um they're they're i eat um because i took some instruction um and i was teaching myself um acrylics from like a couple classes i took and there's some really good books so i've been trying different stuff and like buying different materials good for you i did some like lots of abstract stuff i'm gonna do some um i'm going to do some resin pour pouring as well as screen printing cool trying trying that so i'm i'm kind of doing that so like it's nice like i'll look at my hands and i'll have some like paint stuck to my hands and there's just something i don't know there's something about it you feel more artistic well no i feel like i'm more grounded because all our world is digital right our world is talking and emailing and pitching and i mean like that's what people are like why don't you put some of your pictures on facebook i'm like what asshole goes on facebook and put stuff up there I'm sorry, April, but like, you know, I, I just, I, I can't, this is, here's the deal. This would be like you writing a press release in the weekend. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, I don't, I don't want to do social media for myself. Yeah. I hear you. Like I was almost thinking like, God, do I need to hire somebody to do it for me? I'm like, Oh wait, I do that. Should I just get someone internally to do it for me? I was like, no, maybe not. Maybe we should just kind of like uh, try to post something. Cause I'll post something. And everyone's like, oh, where have you been? We thought you were dead. And it's like, Cool. I got a phone too, y'all. Uh, if you <laughs> ring me, number one most engaging form of communication. But uh, but yeah. So things things have been great. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, a lot of stuff. So right, should we get so into newsies? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So welcome to the news segment. This is where we talk about news. So <laughs> <laughs> that was so smooth. Sorry, guys. That's all I got. Um, so. First up is the Super Bowl Olympics. Um, yes. And what it taught <clears throat> NBC Universal about the new era of measurement. So when we looked through this article, it was something that didn't seem, it didn't jump out as something that was super obvious until we did a little bit more digging. Um, and the kind of the, 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 the big reveal here, or I don't know, I want to say the lead story here is the iSpot TV is the um, big link. 
with NBC Universal um, joining forces with iSpot TV, in order to they, what they are is they're just a, they're a metrics firm that really helps um, kind of give better detailed um, analysis for advertisers, especially. And um, so NBC Universal said, "Hey, what is the number one thing everybody cares about?" Obviously, the Winter Olympics. I couldn't stop watching it. Actually, I couldn't start watching it. Um, and then, and also the Super Bowl. Again, you couldn't put that one down. That was that was that was a great one. You liked that, didn't you, April? I was at the store. <laughs> I think I actually was at the store grocery shopping when that Super Bowl was on. <laughs> I'm like, when, what event can I go and no one's going to be around like apocalypse? No one's going to be around. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. So you got all the BOGOs and you didn't have to fight anybody. Did you yeah, exactly. go to like. I got like a whole trunk load of wieners. Nice. Buy one, get one, one free wieners at the wazoo. Amazing. Yep. So what do you think about um, the how how kind of television advertising is now going through almost like a, a like renaissance or kind of like a a big change that's going to help advertisers really understand what they're getting. I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I can imagine that the, the metrics are a lot more granular for how people are interacting with the computer than with the television, especially because people just, you know, leave on their television and go do something else, but there's no way to tell that they're doing that. Whereas with at least, you know, if you have a bunch of browsers open, you switch off of it to go check your email or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna, you're actually gonna be able to attract that. Um, I was interested to see later in the article that they referenced a new Nielsen offering that's coming out in 2024. And so it's called Nielsen one. And um, that's going to help with cross platform measurement, I think, to do between both streaming and digital measurement back to linear measurement. So it's like a, a way of interacting with both forms of measurement, which I'm sure will be even more useful to marketers, but, and advertisers. But I thought it was, I mean, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I think that's, well, you know, I think it's great. I think it's gonna be useful for advertisers that don't really understand what's exactly happening. And mm-hmm. I don't really know. I mean, I kind of always felt, I don't know how you feel about it, but I always kind of felt that the Nielsen ratings were a little, I don't know, skewed or not inaccurate, or I, I just never really like when when you're sold when anybody is sold advertising in any way shape or form when it's dealing with airtime um media airtime i always i'm always kind of like i don't know i'm dubious about it i'm very dubious yeah i'm like doobie hauser md like i i just don't i don't <laughs> want <laughs> I'm, I'm just i'm just throwing references and seeing if you if they're they're good april references yeah i got it okay i caught that one good you got it yeah okay I had a big mitt for that one. A big mitt. Yeah. Big mitt for Dukes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I always was kind of, I mean, I always thought that television advertising was kind of like, or even radio advertising was kind of like, how do you show the the influence or the proof? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's So now it looks like you'll be able to, to do that. Do you think that that's going to increase, like skyrocket these prices when there's real data? I don't know. Maybe. Because if you were sold a dream and then you were given facts, I would see, for example, if I tell somebody that I'm going to build their email list through an ad and it's mm. going to be a dollar an email. And I said, how many emails would you want? And they're like 2000. Then I say, okay, well, this is how much money you have to spend. And then they're like, okay, well, we really want to spend more this month because we really want to get our list big. We want to get 10,000 this month. And it's like, okay, it's $10,000. So I wonder if 
but before it's kind of like eh, we'll see you know what i mean it's kind of like give me 500 dollars i'll see what i can get you um so i don't know I, i'm just i'm curious to see if that's i don't know going. if it'll raise prices or just make, make people a lot more careful about where they put their money where they spend their ad dollars but because i feel like that's what's happened with pr is that people want then they they want a more sure bet so they're more inclined to right. spend the money where they can see the metrics so maybe it'll mean they'll spend more if they can see bigger returns or approve the returns well but we shall see we'll, we'll um, find out we shall find see god i can't believe i missed the olympics poor thing wake up wake up one morning and all the the, the luge is over <laughs> I just, you know what? I just can't get into it. I, I really tried to like get into it. And I just, I, Olympics in general is just not my. I like ice skating. I just completely missed it. The whole thing is just mm. gone. I just poof. Well, I'm but, sure um, it's on Peacock. There we go. Because that is, that is. Uh, Maybe I'll go back to some ice skating on Peacock. So the next, there's another piece of news that I find quite interesting. Which okay. is that I know in the last couple of episodes, we've talked about the Ron Tarosian flurry of press releases and things that he's put out and the weird stories. Um, so the the latest and greatest Ron Tarosian news is that he has stepped down as CEO after he was found to be using a news site that he was funding to take pot shots at competitors. Or Ron with all the ends. I think it's the extra end. It just sunk him. <laughs> just two yeah. ends was one one end too many. Just yep, he got in. totally labrayed. Went negative. <laughs> 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 but this is huge PR news within the industry. Like, I don't know if people are, you know. But basically, just to recap here, he had been found out to be using a site that he created to basically, you know, promote himself and, and get rid of other agencies credibility. So then he was reported on by the daily beast and cranes and the New York times, <laughs> like that he had, you know, secretly acquired this new site called everything PR in 2014 where he was using fake bylines to bash his professional rivals. So it's uh, then he was condemned by the PRSA Society. It's the Public Relations Society of America. And they called it a cowardly and blatant violation of PRSA's code of ethics. And so then he says, I've made the decision to step down as CEO of 5WPR. I have become a distraction and the team deserves the freedom to operate in a context free of noise, noise I personally created. And this is, yeah, this is, I mean, this is big. This is big news because he's quite a figurehead within the industry. I mean, it's, you know, <clears throat> you've got Richard Edelman and Richard Rubenstein and Stephen Rubenstein and Ron Tarosian. And I mean, you know, he's one of the top five to 10 names in PR. So this is it's pretty huge. But for like for for a non-PR centric person like myself, what do his peers think about this guy? Do they think he's a dirtbag or do they feel, they feel like he's an actual like, oops, he made an oopsie or I mean, what are they? Oh, oh, oh. no, he's, like, he's he well, no, no, he's he's well known for being a jerk. Yeah, he's well known for being a jerk. I mean, he had a publicly um, publicized 
spat with Richard Rubenstein. It was a ways back, but it was pretty, it was pretty infamous because it was, they published the entire back and forth between the two firms Wow, where they were fighting over the fact that Richard Rubenstein was allegedly recruiting people from, from 5WPR. So it was back in 2007 and they got into this, you know, email pissing match where they were threatening legal action against each other. And I mean, to be fair to Richard Rubenstein, who's a friend of mine, like Ron definitely was the instigator and the one that was making the, the more aggressive moves. And Richard was just sort of standing his ground. But my favorite part also just to give Richard Rubenstein a plug is that he says in the last one, relax and have a nice weekend, Ron. Call me on Monday if you'd like. Oh so it goes, God. and then and then he writes back again, uh, two minutes later, great response for the record. <laughs> so anyway, but Ron's last note, just to show you how bad it got was, and yes, the tone should threaten you. I'm going to target your business and do my best to continue growing. Even with daddy's name, once he goes, you and Steven can come work as our senior account execs for me. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, and I don't know if I told you, Chris, but I actually had um, job offers from Ron and Richard at the same time. And when Richard found out I had a job offer from Ron, I got I got the job and a, a higher salary than I would have. That's awesome. <laughs> Which I'm very pleased about because that means that I ended up with the better of the two by far. Yeah, that and, sounds like it. And maintained a, you know. A friendship with Richard so um yeah so it's a, it's like a funny it's personally funny to me with having had this history of having interviewed with both of them and then <laughs> and also thinking like wow Ron is would not be a nice person to work for which he's like notorious no he's notorious for being not a nice person to work for this I think anybody familiar with him this will come as no surprise to any of them <laughs> maybe the part he actually went as far as to do the thing he did which is pretty outrageous but him being a you know notorious jerk is not that's not news to anybody but the you know forming a website where you're faking stuff is pretty it's pretty bad well yeah i mean you lose credibility right off the bat it's funny i think it's kind of what i find it's really interesting is these no, I'm not ageist here, but these old these old farts that like they've been around for a while and they've been doing. I'm not this... ageist, but these old farts. Yeah, I mean, come on. If you say that, it kind of excuses it, right? Ron's not that old. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not just, that old. Let's just say these old school guys, and I think that they've been doing this shit for a long time, and now with as soon as things have gotten more and more digital, I think some of them have made slip ups that are very obvious that they would have gotten away with maybe 15 years ago. But they can't anymore. Huh? But they can't anymore. No, they can't anymore. So they well, companies know. can't either. I mean, it's the no. same, it's the same reason I started the whole, I coined trust relations because not to give myself yet another plug, but it's like, you can't get by with hiding stuff anymore and spinning the truth because it's too, there is just too much transparency with social media. So if you aren't doing what you say you are, you're going to be found out. And this is a wonderful example of that. You know, he literally as a PR guy got found out for doing something unethical that he thought he could get by with because of old school PR, but it's not, 
it doesn't work anymore. It's gone. Those days are over. And I think to speak to your point too, I just got a text. I just got canceled for the old fogey remark. Oh um, no. So, yeah, I've been canceled. So okay. um, you won't girl. See, you won't see you won't see my my mini series on acrylic paintings on PBS. I've been gazumped by the barefoot contessa oh, no. yet again. So, so oh, terrible. No. Poor Chris. Poor me. Wah, wah. So um next up we have something that I think is kind of telling about the future of how some uh, digital content's gonna be created. And it's from Marketing Dive, and it says that 66% of brands spent more on creator marketing in the past year. Now, saying that this percentage of brands spent more um, compared to previous years. Okay, let's be honest. This is kind of a new thing. So if I've spent $5, I'm part of that 66%. So I don't necessarily feel that this is kind of like, oh, wow, do it now. I feel like this is kind of just an indicator to tell everybody out there that um, people are starting to look at this very seriously um, mm -hmm. and not and notice that it's spent more on creator content. It's not spent on influencer content. And something that's really interesting that I don't think I've shared with you, um, April, we no longer say influencer in the Go Agency. Influencer really? Is, influencer is now a dirty word. Really? Why? Well, it's a dirty word for us. And the reason why is because influencers are, um, they're more commodity. They're more, they're not um, specialized enough in order to grow community. So what you do is you get someone that's buying the veneer of the influencer and not actually the heart and soul of the business. Mm. So if you are doing pump and dump sales or drop shipping or something like that, influencers mm -hmm. are really great. But if you're trying to build any sort of authentic brand, you need to either, if you're doing an influencer, uh, hiring them, not like actually like doing an influencer, but like if you're, if you're going to hire one, they then become a creator because they become, they go on your payroll and they're no longer an influencer. They're creating content specifically for you. So if you're giving something to an influencer, it's kind of just like, Oh, here's, um, here's post-it notes. I'm going to send these over to you. And I just need um, one post and one Instagram story and a TikTok video for like $5,000. They're like, okay, wow. Post-its. They go everywhere. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. And then you pay for that. But if I'm telling you, this is the post-it. I need a video of you and your face holding the post-it right directly next to your face. I want you to say this, this, and this. That becomes a creator. That's not an influencer. That becomes, you no longer have their voice. Mm -hmm. Creators are what brands need. They don't need mm. influencers because what people need is the that video content of people endorsing and utilizing their products. And creators are the ones that will develop that, not influencers. Mm. So that so the brands are looking at that. That's interesting because what they're doing is they're saying that, they're, that it's important for us to invest in content that is consumer facing rather than mm -hmm. brand created then consumer facing. Because I feel that if you're looking at a Nike ad where they're showing regular people, you know, that's going to be slick. Even the normal regular people are going to be slick. Whereas if you're going on to TikTok, they're going to be normal people in their own house, in their own environment with these shoes. And it's just a different, it's a different way. It's actually brings reality into it because there's the aspirational and then there's the real life aspect. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel that it's balancing that the brands are starting to wake up to. I mean, what do you think about kind of that concept? I think it's really interesting. I mean, I've seen here 66% reporting they spent more on creator-driven marketing campaigns. I think it makes sense. Honestly, I think that, I think part of what isn't working with influencer relations is that it, you know, it's paid for. And I think that it's the same reason that advertising isn't always hitting the mark in terms of building credibility because you know, it's paid for. So they can say whatever they want that these people are bought and paid for. I think everyone's sick of everyone being bought and paid for, including politicians, right? I think we're just sort of up to here with like inauthentic Mm -hmm. communications that are meant to manipulate us. And we're seeing through it. And I think that there's something to be said for creator content where, you know, that person, you know, in their poorly lit house with their sneaker at their face, (laughs) smelling to see if it smells like them yet is actually like, that's genuine, right? You didn't, you didn't get paid to put, (laughs) you didn't get paid. As far as I know, you didn't get paid to put the sneaker at your face and smell it. Um, So it's like, it just reads as more genuinely excited or enthusiastic about something rather than, you know, that this is, this is another yet bought and paid for a thing to manipulate me into doing it or into taking some kind of action or buying something or supporting something. And I think you're, I think you're right on the money there, babe. And I think that the deal is that brands need to kind of start thinking like this now, because it's not going to be like this in a year or two years. It's going to be like hyper authentic hyper different stories hyper like it's going to be completely different so like you have to jump you have to get involved Mm. now and getting involved doesn't mean um i don't think it means getting a bunch of people with a whole bunch of instagram followers up your ass you know what i mean I, i i really do feel that it is more along the lines of finding people that are really creating cool stuff Mm-hmm. Like I have, like I would be looking at if I'm if I'm doing castings for clients because that's what we're doing now. We're casting creators, so we have to go through and we have to vet them. We have to look at their stuff. I'm looking at resumes. I'm looking at art school people. I'm looking at people that are creative. So this is the next. What they're doing is they're specializing mm-hmm. in this authentic content. Mm-hmm. So it can have this slick, cool content, but it's real. And people can do it. Like a lot of a lot of TikTok users are extremely astute at how to use stuff on their phone. Like I can't even turn my flashlight on without like getting an SOS sent to like like the police. Like I, I mean, I have to stay in my lane with technology. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna say that like I'm gonna like Annie Leibowitz you with my freaking iPhone. You know, I mean it's 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 more strategy for me, right? I have other yeah. people to execute it, but just think it's interesting because with, with people getting, because the number one thing I always hear is, Oh God, how do I do more video? I don't know how to do video. How do I do? I can never do TikTok. I don't know. how. Like, get with it. Grow up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's time to kind of join the now, find mm-hmm. someone in the now and befriend them <laughs> and then <laughs> bridge that gap into now. <laughs> Leave then there and come here. This is now. So I like it. Directional, the hype busters. Yeah, I like it. So this one <laughs> is from Marketing Dive. Uh, it's why you should be taking cross-channel um, digital shopping seriously. 
Now, obviously, this is an agenda that's being pushed because I don't think digital is really something that is going to be catching on. But what's interesting about it is in terms of the concept and basically what it is, is Ooh, okay, it's saying that number one, that no one knows what it is, which is not really, <laughs> I, I mean, no shit. Like you just made this up like when you were taking a shit. Okay, so, um, okay, as it turns out, 85%- <laughs> So many shits. So many shits. <laughs> On the next episode of Hype Busters, we'll, we'll, we'll break the, um, the notion of how many shits it does take um, to come up with a digital idea. Um, as it turns out, 85% of marketers correctly identified that today's shoppers have gone hybrid hybrid everyone's going hybrid cars that's it seamlessly blending physical and digital shopping so it's a physical and digital experience and basically what it's saying is that there's lots of there's lots of people that are still going into stores Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like for example digital would be considered ordering your groceries online and picking them up or or ordering um i don't know logs and going to pick them up at home depot or pet stuff Pet stuff and going to El Pet Marto. Um, That's you know, not a thing. It could be, you know, right <laughs> next to Alta Beauty. I don't know. I don't go there. <laughs> it, smells, it smells like dog stuff. Horses. <laughs> horse? <laughs> <laughs> smells like horse. Don't go there because it smells like horse. Alta? But um, but yeah. So anyway, um, it's it's this it's this new hybrid term about that. Now I think it's interesting because it's kind of like someone coming up with their like push it idea of a digital of a new word. But like I think it's I like the concept of it being hybrid, like kind of like yeah. people identifying that you have to pay attention to people in stores. And like I was telling you, I had those on that sixteen hour shopping spree. I got better deals in that day of shopping than I did the entire pandemic. Everything that I was buying on Amazon, like literally I saw something on, I, oh. what, I've been, what I've been doing too, because I'm a total nerd, I'll have Amazon open while I'm shopping and I will put things into Amazon that I find Just every, see if you're cheaper. Single, every single time more expensive. If I'm, in, if I'm in a discount shop, if I'm really? in, if I'm at a retail outlet, like say if I'm in a Target, but if I'm at like a discount that's made for discounts every mm-hmm. single time. I found something yesterday, sixty percent more expensive on Amazon. Um, and if I went through my receipts of shopping on Sunday, absolutely, it would be astronomical to buy it on Amazon. Wow, interesting. So, so with that said, we're all doing that. So we're spending mm-hmm. more money on stuff that we don't need. Also, like if I'm there, I have I have choice. It's different. So I would say after that experience, it's funny, it did used to be the cheaper place to get things, but it seems to have gone the other direction. Yeah, because it's like um, I saw something and it was like I got an alert that there was a price drop on something that I was purchasing. Um, thanks for that five percent freaking alert on my phone. I, I don't necessarily need that. <clears throat> Fair, bastards, you're wasting my time. <laughs> All right. So our guest today is Daniel Alfin. He is the author of "Build a LinkedIn Profile for Business Success." And he specializes in LinkedIn marketing and branding. He's here today to discuss actionable advice for leveraging LinkedIn as a personal branding tool. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you very much, April. And hi, Chris. I'm glad to be part of the Hype Busters. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we always love someone busting into the hype with us. Uh, and LinkedIn is a personal favorite topic for of mine. But before we kind of dive into that, um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Daniel. Like, how did how did you get to LinkedIn as an area of uh, the kind of focus or specialty? With pleasure. So uh, I signed up for LinkedIn early in 2004. 
um, and I was looking for a playbook and I couldn't find anything. Mm. So I needed to create my own rules. I made a ton of mistakes. I made probably all the mistakes in the book. <laughs> <laughs> then started helping friends and those friends brought me along to help them. Then it, it's a platform with close to 1 billion members. Each second, two people sign up and still it's mostly misunderstood and underutilized. In terms of LinkedIn, I know that a lot of people do have kind of a misconception that it's kind of only for networking, but there's lots of different opportunities there for professionals. So can you talk about some of the, maybe some of the opportunities for entrepreneurs or uh, business owners out there to really harness the power of LinkedIn? My belief is that LinkedIn is right for business. Right. The only question we should ask ourselves is how, what's the best way for us to leverage that platform? Mm -hmm. And the, the first question would be, who's your ideal reader on LinkedIn? And some of our audience here generally thinks about the end user or the clients. But in some cases, certainly if you run an agency, right. then your ideal reader is not necessarily the end user. You could leverage LinkedIn in order to find partners. You run all sorts of events. You may look for sponsors. Right. And even if your uh, brand is B2C, there is probably a 10% element of B2B in it. And that's where I think you should focus. And that can help you leverage the platform in a much more natural way than hitting another user to, to buy some product, whatever it is. Absolutely. And I think that that's kind of a really good, a really good point. And something a lot of people do miss is that, you know, when you're utilizing a platform um, like LinkedIn, it's kind of, wow, it's a networking. I can very passively send a message to very many people. So that's attractive. So let me pack it full of the spammiest bullshit messaging I can <laughs> and then hit it to like 16,000 people. And guess what? you know what, if I get 1% return, all I had to do was send that message. Well, let me just tell you about the other side of that. All the people that are in your target message uh, market are getting that message where you're showing yourself to be a complete asshole. So then you are then <laughs> viewed as that type of person. So yeah, you might get one person that's falling for your pandering message that's very thirsty, but at the end of the day, it's not going to work out. You know, what? Um, in terms of connecting with people, um, Daniel, on LinkedIn, what do you feel is the best way to make that meaningful connection right off the bat? It's a great question, Chris. And I think I would advise people to pick either quality or, or quantity because you can't aim for both. By quality, you connect only with people you know well, and that enables you to have referrals. And if you have 30,000 connections or more, that enables you to get a lot of exposure. But most entrepreneurs are interested in both. So they start with quality and then they think they need to get to the quantity. They don't get a lot of exposure and they miss referrals. So don't be in the middle of the road. Pick one side for the long term. My personal uh, choice was, was quality. But if you have 30K connections, it can work as well. It's interesting that you say that. One of the things that we do, we have um, at the Go Agency, my digital firm, we do um, LinkedIn campaigns. 
And one of the things that we focus on is we do lead gen and meeting generation. So if you're if you're a B2B company or even B2C, there are applications that you can win those meetings. What we do is when we're trying to target those audience to win those meetings, to increase those leads and et cetera, opportunities, I guess, um, is we hyper focus on exactly who they wanna talk to. Um, we're going after a specific number of employees, what the revenue numbers are going to be, location, demographics, um, target audience, what their customers are, and all of those things wrapped in together. Um, and that's what's great about that too, is that you could do a multi-pronged approach where you can beta A-B test, so to speak, three different markets, three different messages, and you know see how that lands. Um, now, I always get the question, so do I need to have Sales Navigator? What say you, Daniel? <laughs> If you're an SMB, you probably don't. My clients don't need Sales Navigator because it's they need to leverage the platform first. And as you know, 90% of people don't leverage the free platform. Yeah. And if you buy them Sales Navigator, they, they, they don't know LinkedIn well enough to leverage LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So I certainly wouldn't start there. Absolutely. Yeah. This is one of the things that I always tell prospective clients or even clients, you know, you have to kind of remind them and have that little check-in to hold them accountable that you need to know who the freak you are, who you're marketing to before you get onto social media. Social media is not going to give you that like, oh, here's the secret pill, you idiot. Like they don't just take that. And then all of a sudden I know who my target audience is. You have to really look through your customer base. And then when you get onto LinkedIn, it's kind of like, okay, where are these people at here? You know what I'm saying, April? I have, I have a question for both of you. What? So I know we touched on, <laughs> I know we touched on some of this, but what is the biggest mistake that people make on LinkedIn? Chris. Or the top five biggest mistakes. <laughs> I know we touched on, you know, don't, don't spam people okay. and things like that, but what are the other ones? Yeah, I would say that um, definitely, um, I definitely think not knowing who your target audience is when you're going into there is the, is one of the top ones that I see. Mm -hmm. um, people basically going in and thinking that everyone on LinkedIn wants to be sold to. I think that's the second one. Um, three, that um, it is a direct response medium. So you can use almost like direct response messaging, kind of like, hi, I see that you're breathing. You like my service. Here's a demo <laughs> link. Like, I'm going to click your freaking link. Uh, another one. Uh, another thing, don't send me freaking links if I don't know who you are. Do not send me a download. Do not send me a link. Don't send me anything. Another thing is um, not putting their profile picture or getting a profile picture that's like this. <laughs> what? What? what I, yeah. Let me. Let me. Let me get you on board. Let me pay I've you ten thousand dollars. I've also seen the weird cover uh, photos for CEOs that shouldn't have, you know, skateboards or whatever is there. It's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Golf clubs are good and aspirational for a certain market, but they can be very alienating for another. Totally. So um, I, and I think that I would say the last thing is that thinking that LinkedIn is just one thing. And it's, it really is multifaceted. There's a publishing up, there's publishing opportunities, there's networking opportunities, there's growth opportunities, there's hiring opportunities, there's recruit, there's so many different things. And I think a lot of people think like, yeah, LinkedIn, it's where everyone goes. It's online networking. How boring. Who has time for that? I don't have it. It's so important that they've developed an app that is one of the most used apps out there for social networking. So 
put that in your pipe and smoke it. You know what I mean? I, whatever someone give, whatever <laughs> someone tells me that LinkedIn's not important, I do such a hard eye roll that if I'm wearing contacts, my contacts will pop out. I think, I think, I think you nailed it, Chris. Uh, um, maybe two or three quick reminders. Whenever we run a Google search for executive names, LinkedIn will top the list. Mm-hmm. Even if even if they published uh, books and they had TED Talks, LinkedIn, LinkedIn will still be top of the list. And that means they need to manage it. Going back to the spam issue that you mentioned earlier, you even if that 0.5% actually answered, you ruined your reputation. And that's something that's bad for business. Right. You know, it, it, it takes us years to create that reputation and destroying it goes like this. <laughs> I think that's an amazing note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. Is there any contact information you want to leave for people that, so they can find you? With pleasure. DanielAlphon.com has uh, a giveaway about profile headlines. And uh, you're, you're welcome to, to check it out. Excellent, All Daniel. Right. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. All right. My thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye-bye. No, I'm not going to do the next transition because you're going to make fun of me. It's your job. No. <laughs> no I'll do every, it. I'll do. Every time I try, I get made fun of. It's your turn. Okay. I'll make fun of you for doing bad transitions. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I we're going to be talking about our next hot segment. It's red hot. Hot to the touch. It's point, counterpoint. And why is it hot to talk? It's, why is it hot? Because it's TikTok, they don't stop, stop. The 10 minute TikTok video um, is now going to be our topic here. Um, the segue is that we talk about busting hypes, and this is full of hype. So, as this is an inflated <laughs> idea full of hype, we're uh-huh. going to bust it. And that's how we're going to introduce the title into the segment of the show and the segment in one go. See? Point and counterpoint. There we go. Thanks for putting that little period on. The way that you set it up with the hot tip, though, I was so sure you were going to try to squeeze it into just the tip. No, no, no. I can't squeeze. No, just the tip doesn't fit today. So the 10-minute TikTok is upon us, April. Yes. Has it changed your life? It sounds so ominous. You're on TikTok all the time. I'm still still not on on TikTok because it's owned by China. Um, I don't, be, I don't want to be spied on by China. You laugh at me, but I sent you news articles. I didn't make this up. Um, anyway, so no, I'm not on TikTok. However, I do think it's interesting because then it suddenly becomes a competitor of YouTube-ish. Mm-hmm. Not totally, but it's definitely playing in the YouTube sandbox more than it has been. Do you think that that's bad for, t- for YouTube? Probably. Or do you feel that- I think it'll hurt YouTube. Or do you think this is just, I feel like this is just an attention grab. Maybe. I think it's kind of, I, I, cause here's the thing. There's, there's a, there's, it's kind of like cliff notes have a lane and that's what they do. And I think that TikTok has a lane and that's what it does. Yeah. And I feel like it's been, it's informed the media and how I would say people that don't use TikTok like yourself, because you don't <laughs> want to be assaulted um, no, spy, by spy China. Not assaulted, spied on. Assaulted. I don't always spied on. Peanut, they got assaulted. But like, um, but but yeah, um, TikTok is like they, 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 the concept of TikTok is ripped off on so many televised ads. 
so many are just absolute ripoffs. You might think like, oh, wow, this looks like it's like an America's Funniest Home Videos kind of parody. No, they're like straight up ripoff of TikTok. So it's informed like the, the, the culture and I guess our, uh, our, our consciousness. So this is kind of like, what is that going to look like? Do I have to look at these bastards dancing for 10 minutes now? I mean, or do I have to watch like this <laughs> shit for 10 minutes? I mean, it might, it might dilute people's interest in TikTok if you no longer know if you're watching something for a certain amount of time or if you got stuck watching it too long. Or it would the be payoff. the same thing that IGTV did for Instagram. Wow, we're doing a television channel on Instagram. Isn't this the cool? Everyone's like, oh my God, we have to do this. We have to do this. It's dead. It's so dead. Nobody's like, watching it. It's buried. It's gone. They're removing yeah. it. And they did it for an announcement. I mean, I used it for a minute and I was like, fuck this. And then, because um, they could do lives, and it was just, it was way more effective. 10 minute TikTok, I think it's, I think it's disruptive in terms of their storyline. Um, do I think it's going to be something that's going to kill YouTube? Absolutely not. I think YouTube needs to freaking step up their game a little bit. I think they're getting super lazy. Um, and also just, I think the people that are on there doing their reviews, doing their shows, doing their YouTube stuff. I think that that's like, that's where YouTube really sings to me. Mm -hmm. Um, do I think that they might have a TikTok component to kind of mack on that audience? They could, but it dilutes their brand because YouTube is their brand. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just don't. I, and also like after these people become stars, they get their little YouTube plaque. I mean, anyone who has one, I'm not like pissing on your parade, but still I, I'm kind of pissing on it. So like, you know, the people that get like, oh, I have 16 million views. Great. Here's a plaque. Mm -hmm. So what are we arguing here? We're arguing, are we both kind of arguing you think it's stu stupid? I, I think that, <clears throat> I don't think it's real. You don't think it's real. I think it might be trying to take a pot shot at YouTube. I think it's kind of an attention grabbing thing. And, okay. and I would say that if I was TikTok, I wouldn't have played this hand just yet. Mm -hmm. I think their narrative is really, really positive. It's it's still the most downloaded app across the board. People are using left, right, and center, except April. And so, uh, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> I think I think what we're gonna have to worry about is I think the this is what I would I would suggest as soon as you download TikTok it's over. So if you download TikTok it's over. Oh, Everyone's, so everyone's I need over. to download it so the ten minute TikTok is over. Yeah, I think well I think actually it would mark the end of TikTok because you would be so beaten down that you would do it finally, and then, and then you would do it, and then that would be when it's already the the waves breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, let's go into um, cash or cash trash. Or trash. I love this segment. Okay, I almost okay. Write us in. I, I mean, our mailbag is full. It is like Santa's sack. I mean, we get so many letters. I don't even. I have paper cuts from opening them. That's why his thumb got infected. Yep, it got infected in in 1987. If anyone's like a fan of the shows, go back to <laughs> a few years old that episode. But the thumb is still happening. I'm going to reinfect it just so it's relevant. Um, so That's what we got first? That. Oh, nothing, nothing says you ruined my morning like Folgers coffee. Um, have you ever gone somewhere and then you wake up and you're excited for coffee? I, are you a big coffee drinker? I don't drink caffeine anymore, but I'm still obsessed with decaf. 
I drink okay. tons and tons and tons of decaf. Okay, so still caffeine. Which there. I know has a trace amount of caffeine <laughs> for anybody listening. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. 8%, 8% of a cup per cup. So with that said, um, when you go somewhere and someone's like, hey, would you like a cup of coffee? And you're like, oh, yeah, you have decaf. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, ooh, yeah. And then they're like, okay. Hey, hey Mary, <laughs> whip out the Folgers. Like, I'm immediately like, Folgers? Like, where are we? I mean, grandmas. Grandma. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's funny. So just to, to give everybody that's listening some context. Oh yeah. Um, yeah we do that. So Folgers is planning to swap out its fusty reputation for punk rock rebelliousness. And they are basically doing this, like the drawing out Folgers unsung new Orleans roots and focusing on the craft story that millennials care about. And re-swapping out the the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. They're they're swapping that out for um, that hour fist while you're singing. I know it seems so appropriate. Folgers, <laughs> you're holding a mug angrily. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's right. like that's how I feel about Folgers. It's very powerful. Um. Oh, good. Um. So they are instead using bad reputation that's being reimagined by a marching band that's joined by a local mu- musician trombone shorty and so they're they kind of have this like proudly roasted toasted in our hometown of new orleans vibe that they're going with and messaging and then they're they're also leaning into the fact that they've been around since 1984 um actually is that true or the jingle's been around since 1984 they've been around a long ass time though they're i watched this ad and then it Oh, 1850. I was totally off. So they've been around since 1850. So, I mean, there is something that I can understand millennials might think is cool about this kind of old, maybe they'll, you know, like what's old is new again. And they might have a hope for doing this. Um, It's certainly disgusting. I don't know if they've made it. I haven't had it in a while. So maybe it's, maybe it's actually, they worked on the flavor and they can compete with Starbucks, but I mean, in a, you know, in a culture filled with a Starbucks in every corner, that's a, that's a, like, that's a pretty tall ask for people that are familiar with what real coffee tastes like. <laughs> I would say that um, Folgers could be mistaken for Starbucks coffee if you have the taste buds of a COVID sufferer. Like, <laughs> it is, like, number one, buying, like, like, a barrel of coffee is just weird. Um, and I think also uh, plastic big tubs of coffee just kind of like I hate. Um, yeah. But what they did do is they created that. Would you say you said eighteen fifty? Yep. They have a premium label, and that is better. That's kind of more. It's Starbucks reaching, um, but not there yet. But this old folders in that big plastic red tub with that plastic black top. Yeah. That's where they need to start their journey. <laughs> I would say that's the journey we want. Um, product marketing is the first place that the product packaging is where they should start instead of the the advertising. Well, I think that I think for me, yeah, I, I cash the advertising, but I trash yes. the projects the the product so heavily that you it, there's nothing you could do to make me like it. Okay. Okay, the product. So yeah, the but, product is trash, but you give the campaign cash. I mean, I, I, 
Yeah, I, I like agree that. with you. I agree with you with one caveat, which is I have not ventured in to try Folgers and well, I'll, I'll date myself if I say uh, decades. Um, <laughs> back in so the back like, in the heady Sanka days. <laughs> like I'm trying to think when I even would have tried. I think my grandma probably served me Folgers, like huh? you know the the farm table. Um, so I, but I agree with you. I think that the campaign is clever. I think it's smart. I think what they're doing with, you know, reinventing the song and leaning into their New Orleans heritage, I think all of that is smart. I think I, like I think going after millennials with that, you know, super old school 1850 heritage label is smart. I think all of it is smart. So kudos to them. Good on you, Folgers. I still hate you. I mean, I don't know if I hate them. I can't say I hate them. I haven't tried them. And oh. Decades. It's 1982 yeah. when I was four years old. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> um, I kind of like this next one, although I really don't understand it. Okay, that sounds perfect. So Fruity Pebbles is collaborating with LeBron James Ooh. and Nike, which means that there are new shoes and new cereal. So LeBron James is doing Fruity Pebble, like it's called Magic Fruity Pebbles. And they've changed the colors of Fruity Pebbles a bit and put a Nike swoop on it. Oh, and then fun. what I'm really, you're making fun of it. That's not really clever. But what I really, what I really want to see is these sneakers. I feel like I might like Fruity Pebbles, LeBron James, Nikes. Can I see pictures of these? Why don't I see them? I feel like that's something I would actually wear. I don't think it's there yet. It's, it's ultra limited edition Nike LeBron 19 low color changing shoes. I mean... I, that has my name written all over it. I love wacky sneakers. Well, this is uh, this is for wacky sneaker adopters, like early wacky. Yeah, sneaker I think this. I think this is for me. Oh man, well, I don't what, understand it. I have no idea what Fruity Pebbles or Nike or LeBron James have to do with each other. I mean, Le- LeBron James and Nike shirt, but the Fruity Pebbles part, I'm really lost. Really, I, really, lo- really, really lost. Really, super don't understand. So where what I see is this. I see hundreds of boxes of the cereal in an outlet store. That's where I see the cereal. <laughs> I see them in an outlet store and everyone going, why are they magic? What are they shoes? Oh God, dollar a box. Give me a couple of that. I mean, that's what I'm seeing. Cause I've gone to outlet stores where they're selling Christmas Captain Crunch still. So, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. This is where this is going. But those sneakers will go off like, gangbusters anything limited edition anything that's kind of like outside of the box and also yeah. like a, a, this is a tie-in that's kind of based on color it also the milk changes color well it all changes the color in free pebbles it's all dying like, like i know it's disgusting chemicals and you have to i love that them. that's like i love that that's a, a sales point like milk changes color it's like oh <laughs> <laughs> i know I, I literally i mean it gives it, it like goes right through me i should just dump it in the toilet and cut out the middleman i mean it's like really hardcore pretty so, pebbles yes. attacks it like soy sauce in my system oh my but um God. but yeah it's all just, sugar yeah it's not it's sugar not and dyes and chemicals also i don't like anything that i eat that i can go like that i just itch the top of my 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 roof of my mouth and get like a whole bunch of like film yeah, I don't the like gritty, that. the whole like gritty layer of like sugar crust. Yeah, and and like, what is this, and why is it fatty? 
why is it um, stuck in my teeth and my gums like oh exactly exactly then you gotta get yourself a face enema like i i would say that <laughs> literally this this is i i ca- i cash the sneakers i trash the cereal I'm okay like, i agree the sneakers i think would work i want the sneakers well i want the sneakers for my birthday you win the secret Put, putting it out in the universe. What a minute. Will we made a fucking money? Yeah. I mean, like, you know how expensive those sneakers are gonna be? A couple thousand bucks. You, be like, you bought whatever you wanted on the weekend. You've got I know, but I don't even think I broke money back. <laughs> I got right. like a whole car. I had to like rent other cars to come home. I was like extreme coupon. Okay, fair. But anyway, so fruity pebbles, it, the milk changes uh color, so don't be yes. holders in it, folks. Yeah. And um, oh, Dollar Shave Club. Don't get stung by the sound of your dung. Wow, talking about shitty ideas. Uh, literally. So they are they are um introducing a way to mask the embarrassing sounds of going poop. So <laughs> essentially, they're introducing a brown noise machine. It's a gadget so innovative, you'll wonder how you ever number twoed without it. Oh my god. Now, if why is it why is a picture of a like the speaker inside of a toilet? That's not what you're actually gonna do, right? I feel like like Mr. Hanky is going to like dance on it or something. I I I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. Isn't that what the fans and bathrooms are for? Or like running the water? Like haven't people been coming up with ways of covering this up for decades? (laughs) I mean centuries. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what that chris really, does that's yeah. how chris sounds when he poops exactly i cough loudly and i do it at home <laughs> i'm not a traveler but no i i think that this is so crappy um it's just the shittiest idea i've ever seen um it's number one i don't like and also just just for anybody that's looking at the image on the Dollar Shave Club um, website. It's dollarshaveclub.com. Who, who poops with the toilet seat up? <laughs> it needs to be down. <laughs> who the hell is doing that? What savage is doing like a reverse mount on this padded speaker that has like a carpeted like top to it? It's freaking stupid. Look at this thing. No, it's like it's, and it's not like uh, an AC hookup. If you would have put in like your like old style like earphones, look at the front love, of that thing. I love that you noticed that the seat was up. It's gross. It's put it like, down. Right. What, what is this? Like these I sandwiches. Mean, so boys don't poop with the seat up. No, they're gonna take a shit on the speaker. <laughs> they're gonna sit on the toilet seat that's in the middle. It's like what is that? It's like oh, it's like if you're like oh god, I'm running out of seating at a party. Oh, let's just get the Dollar Shave Club speaker and put it on our oh toilet. My god. It's disgusting. Oh my god, it's too much. It's and too I don't much. like I don't like what it looks like either. No. All right, so I think that was a very re- resounding trash. This is total trash, and I have to say if Radio Shack was still alive, this is what Radio Shack shit looks like. Not the shit of Radio Shack, but actually yeah. Because it looks cheap, nasty. The buttons are for like people that have never like uh-huh. owned a device before. Oh, <laughs> so terrible. And then you got like an AC hookup for like and your like music. big cord. Oh, I like the <laughs> idea that you just blast music when you're in the bathroom, and with the idea that nobody knows what you're doing in there. 
<laughs> even better. Even From better. the window to the wall to the sweat drip down my ball. So with with the headphone hookup, Dollar yeah. Shave Club, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to hear yourself take a shit. <laughs> so no one else is gonna be able to hear the sound that comes out of it. So you're gonna do like, oh, this is great. In the background, so everyone else hears your poop, but you don't hear it. I mean, I then at least you—it's like you don't know that everyone else heard you. That's that's false security <laughs> and mixed company. <laughs> Why is there a timer button? What's the timer button do? Oh, it ejects you. Because <laughs> 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 we're all thinking, we're all thinking, we're sitting on the speaker. Okay, if anybody is is has like a dollarshaveclub.com forward slash LP forward slash brown dash noise. It's mm-hmm. worth it. I do want to say, I think brown noise is clever. Well, so brown- kudos to the copywriter on that. Cause usually it's white noise. Yeah. Well, so also that was, the, that was cute. Well, it's a play on the brown sound. There's supposedly a sound frequency that you could play that makes people shit themselves. Stop. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, awful. Look, it up, look it up in your history books. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It's awful. Don't do any research. Live in the dark. Don't use TikTok. I don't want to know about life. that. It's terrible. It's your life, Whitey. No, <laughs> not doing that. Brownie. Oh my God. So there we go. That was another uh, illustrious show of Hype Busters. I really liked that we ended in a, quite a shitty position, really. Um, I, I hope no one is offended by our brown humor. Um, where we'll have to put on our shit speakers and turn them up to 10. <laughs> Drink a cup of Folgers. That's what, that's what they'll do. And, and Actually, play kissing games with our I pictures mean, of Ron Dorsey. Who needs the brown sound when you've got Folgers? <laughs> or Fruity Pebbles, for that matter. Oh, God, what a terrible meal. If that was at a bed and breakfast, I'd be like, give me my money back. <clears throat> I'll take that baguette, though. Instant diarrhea. Instant diarrhea. <laughs> See, now that would be a campaign that would sell. We'll have to get that on the NBC. Get that show on Peacock. We'll measure it with uh, Nielsen One. Neil, is that what it's called? No, I think it was, it was uh, I, was, I don't know why I was going to say I stock photo. <laughs> I don't know. I moved on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> I moved on. All right, folks. I hope you've enjoyed our uh, our our show we're calling it today. And our our interview um uh april any parting words any words of wisdom that you want to share with the audience as a whole i just want to say if if any of you want to share anything that you want to hear us talk about in terms of something that's going on in the news something that's going on with companies trends etc let us know and um please like and rate our show so it can help us reach other listeners like you Exactly. And um, I want to say that we really enjoyed all of the positive reviews that you sent in and all the love. I think it's really self, it, it, it helps us um, reaffirm our dedication to you, each and every one of you. So I want to personally thank my mom for writing that review. It was really nice for her. <laughs> all right. Well, on that snarky uh, comment, uh, <coughs> I would like to say Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time for more Real Talk and Strategic Communications with me, April, and him, Chris. Chris, bye everybody. Bye guys. Love ya.